Welcome back to the Claim the Stage podcast. How are you? I'm very excited about today's episode. We are talking all about online presentations. I have a pretty solid list of questions I've compiled from all of you, and I'm excited to share some some information with you. For those who are new here, I'm Angela Lucier, and I'm your host. I'm also an author, speaker, and CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood, a network of public speaking clubs for women at speakersisterhood.com. And I'm going to just do this solo episode today with some of my best advice on what the heck we're doing online. So many of us are meeting online. I can't think of a single person that I've talked to in the last six months who has not been just on Zoom constantly. And it's funny, you know, I used to use GoToMeeting and WebEx and I don't, I can't, I haven't heard anyone talk about those tools. I don't even know if they're still around. It's like all of a sudden all there is is Zoom in our lives. And I haven't heard anyone talk about Skype. It's like, I don't know, I guess we're just not using that anymore. So I've been using Zoom for a couple of years and I like it. So, um, That's what we're going to be talking about today. I talk a little bit about Facebook Live, but for the most part, these questions are Zoom-focused. So without further ado, why don't we just get into it? Oh, before we do, (laughs) one of the reasons I'm talking about online presentations so much these days is because I have a new course coming out next week on Monday, actually, called Online Presenting Made Easy. And I put this course together because I've seen so many really boring and hard to watch Zoom meetings. And I've also heard from a lot of people that they're really struggling with it and they're looking for information and training and more confidence. So this course is going to cover all of that. It's about how to create content that's meaningful and informative and not salesy. It's about keeping the audience engaged from start to finish. So you're not left like sort of wondering, is anybody here? (laughs) Am I talking to myself? It's also going to help you use the technology. So it enhances your presentation and also help you with presenting yourself with authenticity instead of sounding robotic and boring. So if you struggle with any of those elements, I think the course is going to be perfect for you. And I'm building it right now. I'm almost finished with it. Don't worry, it will be done by Monday. And I am so excited about it because I'm approaching it as an experience. I'm approaching it not as a class, not as an online meeting, but more as how can I make this really fun for people so they really understand all the cool things we could be doing online that we're not. And I've been just jotting down all of these fun things that some of it I'm going to try for the first time and others I've done before and I know work really well. And one of my goals is to just help broaden your mind about what's possible online and also help you feel more comfortable when you're presenting by giving you a chance to actually practice in each class. So I'll be doing some teaching and then there'll be some practice time for you in small breakout groups. It's going to be an experience and lots of people are already signed up. I've got a lot of coaches and uh, healers and uh, a couple people in healthcare and writers. And mostly it's for women who are interested in really being able to connect with their audience and maybe promote their business, promote a course, promote a product and feel really confident doing it. So if you're in that boat, this course is for you. And registration closes this Sunday, September 20th uh, at the end of the day. So you want to get yourself registered as soon as possible. 
And just so you know, the class is happening live on Monday nights, but if you can't make it, uh, all the classes will be recorded and then I'll be sending the recording out the next day so you can watch it anytime you want if you can't make it live. All right. I wanted to make sure I said all that. Let's get to the first question. This is a popular one. How do I set up my workspace? Simple. (laughs) It's a simple question with a long answer. First, let's talk about your camera. Has anybody looked up anyone's nose lately? I know I have. And it's very hard to pay attention to what someone is saying when you can count their nose hairs. And it's awkward when you can actually see the roof of someone's mouth when they're talking. (laughs) It's not an angle you see often, but when you have your computer, your laptop on your desk, that means it is too low because we often sit above the desk. So now the camera is aiming up at you and the angle is not attractive or really interesting. It's not, it's not a, it's not a nice angle to be (laughs) watching you from. So what you want to do is have your camera at eye level. That means you want to prop your computer up on a box on your desk. And you might even want to take out a level and see and have it start at your eye and go all the way to your camera and see if the two are, are at the same height, because that will feel like you're actually sitting face to face with someone and having a conversation with them. Sometimes I see people sitting at their desk and they have, I think it's an external webcam that is above their camera and above their computer, excuse me, and it's aiming down at the presenter. And that too is very awkward because you would never have a conversation with someone like that, like standing over them. Maybe you would really quickly, but you wouldn't watch them give a whole presentation that way. It's also really hard to connect because you can't really see the person's face the way that you would if you were having that conversation. So I like level is the perfect place to have your camera so that you are connecting with the people who you're talking to. Lighting. This is a big one. You've probably heard of a ring light. If you haven't, it's basically a ring of light, (laughs) a circle of light on a tripod, and you can prop your your, uh, phone in the middle of it, or you can just put the tripod up behind in front of your desk so that the light is right behind your computer shining on your face. And these are really inexpensive and really easy to set up. And they have several different settings ranging from like bright fluorescent light to a a softer glow, like yellowish light, and then to like a blue light, which looks more like uh, sunlight. And you can even you can brighten it or dim it. And I think there's probably like 20 different lighting settings that you can determine based on where you're sitting and the other light in the room and any natural light coming in so that you look well lit and awake, but not so bright that you're looks like you're sitting on the sun. That's kind of distracting too. I got a ring light recently from Amazon. It was $35 and it does all the things I just said. And it was really easy to get you know, out of the box and set up. So if you've been worried or feeling like, oh, that's a lot of technology and extra stuff, and I don't want to have all this gear in my office, it's actually really small and really easy, and it makes a humongous difference. And I see a lot of people using overhead lights, and that also just creates weird shadows. And it's it's just not very attractive. It's similar to the camera up the nose angle. Having lighting to the left and right of you or right in front of you is the best way to light yourself so that it's a a comfortable amount of light and people can see your face, but it's not 
this dark shadow, like you're a hollow, you know, you're like a figure from Halloween <laughs> and people are going to be scared of the way that the shadows are cast on your face. Windows. I see a lot of people sitting with their back to windows. And I know we don't always have control over where our desk is, especially if you're at work and you have a cubicle or you, you know, your desk is stuck where it is. But if possible, turning the way that you're sitting so that you don't have a window behind you or closing the shades or curtains will help you immensely. Because what happens is the camera picks up all the light from the windows and then you're dimmed out and you're kind of just this dark shadowy figure. And it's really hard to watch someone speaking when you can't see their face. You can see their silhouette, but you just see windows and a silhouette. So you can avoid that by facing the windows or closing the shades. Also, when it comes to how you appear in your window on the computer, your camera should be right to the top of your head. I see people who are way at the bottom of their of the frame of the camera, and it looks like they're being swallowed by quicksand. <laughs> it's like all you can see is like from their chin up, and then there's like 80% of the screen is all just what's above them. You want to have your head at the top of the video. That way people can see your whole face and your shoulders. And it's, it's more natural. They can even maybe see your hands at times too, depending on how you're using them in the, you know, for body language and expression. And so when you're setting up your camera, you want to have it at eye level. And then you also want to tilt the screen so that it's right at the top of your head. So those are my, my four tips for setting up your workspace so that you have an optimal kind of setup so that when people are watching you, it's pleasant and not distracting. Have your camera at eye level, have your lighting in front of you, be facing the windows and have your head at the top of the frame and not at the bottom. Okay, so that was question number one. Question number two. I hold educational meetings for the community and many of the people I'm talking to don't turn on their camera. How can you create engagement when you can't see people? This is a great question. I'm sure a lot of people are, ha are having the same exact problem. And what I want to say first is that remember that if you can't see them, they also can't see each other. And as the presenter, it's your job to create a sense of togetherness, even though you're all in separate places. So you can do this by asking good questions and using various tools. And I'll give you two ideas here now. One is using the polling feature in Zoom. And I know other um, web meeting platforms have this tool as well. But if you're using Zoom, it's such a great way to let everybody know kind of who's in the space. So you could right out the bat, you could ask the question, what part of town are you calling in from tonight? If you know this person in the question is holding educational meetings for the community, so this question makes sense. And in the polling feature, you would write in different sections of town and then your audience would just click on the one that applies to them. And then 
you, you close the poll and then you announce to the group, you can either show the results or not. And if you show the results, then you can quickly make a couple comments because everyone can see it, or you can just say what you learned from the poll. And that helps people know, oh, I have the people in my neighborhood who are on this call or there's people across town on the call. And then they feel like they're in the space together a little bit more and not just alone, like staring at a bunch of black boxes because no one has their camera on. Another way you could do a poll is let's say you're doing a workshop about job seeking. You could ask the question, when was the last time you searched for a job? And then have ranges like in the last six months, six months to a year, a year to two years. And then you have everyone do the poll and then you show the results. And it's another way for people to feel like they're together because they're realizing, oh, I'm in a group with a bunch of other people who are also job searching. And some people haven't done this for a while. Some of the people are like me and have done this recently. And it just, again, brings that level of togetherness. So a second thing you can do is have people write answers to questions you ask in the chat box and then read them aloud. So you would use what they tell you to deliver more content and helpful information. An example question is, what have you found most challenging about your job search? This is a great question because it brings your audience together because they get to see what other people are struggling with. And you know, depending on whether or not you make the chat visible to everyone, they will either see the answers or you're gonna say them out loud and then address some of those challenges. And again, people feel like, oh, we're all kind of having some of the same challenges or we're having some of the same goals. And then you can you know, approach what they're telling you in order to, so you can build a presentation that really speaks to them. And these really simple things you can do in the first 10 or 15 minutes, and right away you build the community by getting everybody talking a little bit through the tools. And then you can do another set of these questions 20 minutes in or at the end. And you're not just talking at them, but you're actually engaging them in different ways, even though you can't see them. So the two Examples I gave you were using the polling feature in Zoom and having people write answers to questions in the chat box. Third question, how can I build an instant connection with a virtual audience? I want to have an engaging opening and usually I just feel like everyone is bored as soon as I start. Raise your hand if you feel this way. <laughs> they go over to you, Jen, and then you're just like, ah. Uh. <laughs> Let me give you some ideas. I have three ideas. You want to start with something engaging that gets people involved and energized. When you just start talking at people, it's like they immediately start to lose focus and lose interest because it's just a face on a screen talking to them and they see that all day long. So here's a couple things you can do that will help you to get them awake and get them paying attention. The first thing, and this is similar to what we talked about in the last question, is ask questions to start. This immediately wakes people up because you're, if they're problem solvers and our brains are kind of wired to answer questions, they'll be interested. So last night I actually gave a presentation about core values in a speaker sisterhood group. And I started out by asking the members to raise their hand if they knew their core values. And I could see everyone's face and I saw them raise their hand. And then I asked, raise your hand if you make life decisions 
using your core values. And then I saw the amount of hands that were raised. And it was really interesting to me because actually more people raised their hand than I would have expected. And then I got to use that information to then move into my my whole presentation about core values. And I could go back to what I learned in the beginning from them, which is several people in this group know more about core values than the average person because you actually know what your core values are. But for those of you who haven't learned about this yet, I'm going to teach you a quick exercise you can do to learn more about your core values and how to use them in your life. So that is one really simple thing you can do that gets people paying attention right away. The second thing you can do is play a video of a brain teaser and have the audience write their answers in the chat box. The reason I'm saying to use a video is because videos are engaging. They're different than watching a presentation. They're usually short. They're usually edited. They have music. They have quick cuts. You know, they tend to be kind of fun to watch. So find a brain teaser on YouTube and something that's short, you know, 20, 30 seconds max, and then have the audience write their answers in the chat box. And the, the brain teaser doesn't have it to do any, the brain teaser doesn't have to do with what you're talking about. It can be about anything. The idea is to energize people and wake up their brain. So you can offer a prize to the winner, or if there were several people who had the correct answer, you can pick a name from the people who, who had it correct, and then you can mail them out a prize, or you could send them a free download for something, or you could send them an electronic copy of your book, or you could do a free coaching session with them, anything. Just It's a reason to get them excited and awake. And you can share your screen and share your YouTube video with the volume enabled, and it's really easy to do, and it's a great way to get things going. It's a bonus if you can find a brain teaser that does tie into your speech. So good luck with that. The third thing you can do is do something that gets people out of their seat and moving around. You You could demonstrate three ways to stretch at your desk so you feel more energized or something like that. It's really simple to do, and everyone will thank you for it. Most of the time, we are sitting in chairs all day long looking at screens. So if you can get people up and maybe get them to stretch their arm over their head or get them to twist their torso or stretch their legs or, you know, just really simple stuff, then you are waking them up so that when they sit back down, they're more engaged in your presentation. And they will thank you. Actually, in the Speaker Sisterhood meeting last night, we opened by everybody had to do one really bad dance move, and then the group had to you know, mimic it. And we went around twice, and everybody got to just pick a really bad dance move. And you can just make it up on the spot. And I sat back down. My heart was pumping. I was laughing while I was dancing. I, was, I felt so just like in my body and not all up in my head. And we were, we were having a good time with it. And we sat down and I just felt like, wow, I feel so energized now. This was great. And then I was able to pay attention. So trying stuff out like that is a really helpful way to build connection quickly and be engaging and not lose everybody the second you start. So the three things I gave were ask questions to start, play a video of a brain teaser, and do something that gets people out of their seat. Oh, here's a good question. <laughs> I hate being on camera. How do I get over this? Yeah, this is a common one. One of the tips I give in Speaker Sisterhood, if you want to improve as a speaker, 
quickly is to videotape yourself speaking and then watch the video and you'll be able to see all the distracting things you do. You'll be able to hear all the ways that you use filler words. And there are very few people who take me up on that advice because watching yourself on camera is a terrifying thing to do. And believe me, I totally get it. Like when I say this, I know that it's not easy. And I've been there and I remember when someone recorded a speech I gave like 10 years ago and gave me the DVD of it. I got home, I put it in the DVD player, I watched about 30 seconds of it and cried for the next hour. I could not believe what I saw. It was like traumatizing. <laughs> and, and I think about that now and I'm like, in that moment, I wished I had never seen that video before, but, but fi- when I finally did get the courage to watch it again, there was so much information in that video that helped me to get better as a speaker because I could see all the things that everyone else saw and the things that were holding me back from getting my point across and being a better communicator and a better leader. So if you don't like being on camera, there's a couple things I'm going to teach you to do, but one of the things is you got to get comfortable being on camera because it's not like online meetings are going away. They're probably going to go forever, (laughs) you know, as long as the internet exists. So rather than shying away from it or, you know, constantly going, oh, I got to do this, get, find a way to get comfortable with it. So I'm going to give you a couple ideas. The first thing is, Practice being on camera, not when you're in a meeting, not when you're talking to your boss or to your clients, but just every, you should have, you probably have a phone. My guess is you have a phone and your phone has a camera on it and it probably has a video setting and you can probably turn the camera around so that it can see you. Shooting short videos of yourself talking to the camera is a great way to get comfortable with the camera. Another thing I would recommend, which doesn't require a ton of technical expertise, even though it might sound like it, is to then edit that video. And there are really simple editing tools like Loom and iMovie, and you can probably watch a five to 10 minute tutorial video that will show you how to edit that video. And then you'll get used to seeing yourself on the screen while you're editing it. And one thing that I noticed about myself and seeing myself on camera and editing the videos is that it almost desensitized me to the whole process of being on camera because I was just used to seeing myself on a screen because I was editing all these videos. So it does take time, but with practice comes comfort. And if you only do it once in a while and you only do it in high pressure situations and you only do it when everything is on the line, it's really hard to get comfortable with it because you're always associating with this fear and this anxiety when really you could be doing it in small increments and building your confidence around it. So here's a couple technical ideas. On Zoom, one thing you can do is when the meeting begins, you right-click your video to display the menu and then choose hide myself. (laughs) And then you no longer see the video of yourself even though others in the meeting can see the video of you. So not being able to see yourself can take away some of the anxiety around seeing yourself on camera because you're not constantly reminded of it. You're also not watching every mannerism and expression you make. I don't know about you, but when I'm in a Zoom meeting and I can see myself, my, what, you know, what everyone else is seeing, I'm constantly adjusting my hair, I'm moving in my seat, I'm thinking about the lighting, I'm thinking about the background. It's like so distracting. So sometimes I turn off 
I, I do the hide myself feature, so I can't see myself anymore. And then I'm more able to pay attention to what's happening with everybody else. So while you're getting more comfortable with being on camera, you might want to try that so you don't have to keep watching what you're doing while you're listening to other people speak. If you're doing a Facebook Live or some other type of video, one thing that's really easy to do is you can put a post-it over the screen. So when your camera is recording you, you can't see yourself, but the camera can. So you're not constantly looking at yourself. And I know a lot of people do this to train themselves to stop looking at themselves and look at the camera because you can tell when someone's recording a video and they're not looking at you and they're looking at themselves. So that's a really easy thing you can do too. Also, this is sort of on the topic. There's a really great and simple trick called touch up my appearance in Zoom that smooths out your skin and complexion. So you, if you like, let's say you didn't get enough sleep or you're not feeling your best, this feature boosts you up. So you look more refreshed. It's so easy to turn on when you're in a meeting next to the button on the bottom left, where it says stop video, there's a little carrot. It's like a little arrow pointing up. If you click on that and then click video settings, a little window pops up. And if you click on touch up my appearance, all of a sudden magic happens and your, your face just looks a little more soft. And once you click that once, you don't have to keep doing it for every meeting, it'll just be on. And then if you ever wanna turn it off, you just have to go do that same thing again, but it'll just always be there, so it's easy. Those are a couple things you can do to try to get comfortable with being on camera. I know it's not everyone's favorite thing, but right now it's the best thing we can do for online meetings so that we can feel more connected to each other and also add that extra impact to our presentations. All right, we have two questions left. How do I field questions while trying to present? What if I don't know the answer to a question? Well, <laughs> this is a really easy one if you know this trick. First, when your presentation starts in your opening housekeeping, like I'm going to be muting you, this presentation will last 60 minutes, tell the audience up front how questions will be handled. You don't want to be stopping every couple minutes to answer a question because that is distracting for everyone and it's hard for you to continue where you left off. So you start by telling the group, I'll be taking questions at the 20 minute mark, the 40 minute mark, and at the end. You can type questions in the chat box anytime while I'm presenting and I'll address them during my scheduled Q&A breaks. This removes any confusion and it leaves you to focus on what you're talking about so you don't have to moderate comments as they're coming in. And this is just an example. You don't have to take questions at the 20, 40, and 60 minute mark. Whatever works best for your presentation is what you should do. The audience is not in control, you are. So you need to pay attention to when the best time is to accept questions and comments for your presentation so they get the most out of it and you can be your best. I've seen so many presenters fumble this because they're trying to manage too many things at once. Like they're trying to read the comments while also doing their presentation and reading their notes and flipping the slides. And it's like, you can tell that they are like freaking out because they, they're trying to manage too many things. So make it easier on yourself by setting up a whole schedule for when things are going to happen. So you're not trying to do three things at once. And once the audience knows the rules and the plan, then they're comfortable because they don't have to wonder, like I typed this question in the box and it's been 30 minutes and she hasn't even said a word about it. Well, if you set the expectation up front, they're not gonna wonder and worry and think that you're ignoring them. Also, if you don't know the answer to a question, this is a universal answer that you can use 
in anything, if you're on the phone with a client, if you're giving a, a presentation on a stage, if you're presenting online, anything, you can always say, I don't know. <laughs> but why don't you put your email address in the chat box and I'll research it and get back to you. I've said at so many presentations, because I often do Q&As when I'm public, you know, doing public speaking, if I don't know the answer to something, I'll say, I don't know, but come up afterwards, give me your email address, I'll research it, and I'll get back to you. And I've never in the history of doing that had anyone say, you are such a fraud. I cannot believe you're, you don't know the answer to this question. The only response I've ever gotten from that is, wow, thank you. I appreciate you following up on it, or I can't wait to hear what you find. And people appreciate your honesty. And people also know that no one knows everything. Some questions we can't anticipate. So it's okay to say, I don't know. And to let them know that you're going to follow up helps them to see that you care and that you're going to do the work for them. It's just not something you have in your mind at the moment. Actually, last night, someone asked me the question, when is it not okay to use a prop in a speech? And I've never even thought about that in my life because <laughs> I'm always thinking about how to use props. And I couldn't come up with an answer. I said, I really don't know. And I said, I think that question could probably be better answered if I had more context, like for the type of speech you're giving or the goal of your talk, because then I could tell you whether or not props are appropriate. But just as a general, answer, a general question, I have no idea. And she just said, okay, well, I was just wondering. And, you know, she wasn't like, well, forget it. I'm leaving Speaker Sisterhood. <laughs> you know, it was fine because we can't know everything. As for this question, let, make sure you tell the audience up front how questions will be handled so they know. And if you don't know the answer to a question, you can always say, I don't know. Let me get back to you. And if it's a question that you think other people in the audience or group are interested in knowing the answer to, you can always email the whole group afterwards and then everybody knows the answer. So you can you could poll the audience, ask them, or you could just assume like, oh, you know, other people here might want to know too, and you could send it out to everyone. But that's up to you to decide. All right, last question. How do I deliver a script when it's not possible to memorize it? This is a very long answer, but I'm going to give you the shorter version of it right now because this will give you enough to start thinking differently about how you're putting your talks together. The first thing you have to know is a lot of new speakers think of their talk as one big blob. Like, this is all the information I know about this topic, and I'm going to make sure I put it all in here before time is up. And that's really overwhelming, <laughs> not only for you, but also for your audience. And it's also a really hard way to memorize because it's a huge blob of information. So the first thing you should do is break your talk into smaller points. And the way that I've been doing it for years and years and the way I teach it in Speaker Sisterhood is by drawing circles on a piece of paper, like the size of, say, if you were to like trace a can of beans or like a can of Campbell's soup on a piece of printer paper, that size of a circle. And then you put one key point in each circle. And you want to have a story or an exercise or an example to go with each main point. And then you put that information into each circle. And then you put that piece of paper next to you so you can refer to it and stay on track during your talk. And so you're not memorizing it word for word, but your talk is flowing from circle to circle. And you're using what you put in each circle as your content and as 
the main takeaways of your speech. For example, if you were going to give a 20-minute talk, you'd want to have no more than three to four key takeaways, which I know for new speakers makes them scream and go, but I have 30 takeaways. (laughs) And that's not good for anybody because that is way too much information for anyone to remember in 20 minutes. And all you're going to do is overwhelm your audience. They're going to leave saying, I'm not really sure what just happened, but that was a lot and not really sure where to go from here. So rather than do that, you take the reins and you decide for your audience what's most important for them to know. And you pick those three to four key takeaways and you build your whole talk around that. And then you fill in your circles. And I call this not overstuffing your burrito because we all know that when you overstuff a burrito, it just becomes a huge pile of stuff. And it's no longer this pretty thing that you can hold in your hand and eat. It's now all over your shirt. It's all over the table. You need a fork. It's like burritos weren't meant to be eaten with a fork. Speeches were not meant to be overflowing with information. They're meant to be a way to help teach people and inspire them. And when you have too much, it's hard to do that. I can, I'm going to tell you more about how all of this works and how to pick the right things to put into your speech. There is a really simple system to determine what stays and what goes. And I have templates and I have worksheets on how to build all this stuff in a really simple way so that you're not freaking out and you're not overwhelmed. And we're going to cover all of that in my new course, Online Presenting Made Easy. So if if we're going, as you're listening to this episode, if you're thinking to yourself, you know, I have a lot to learn here, and this actually does interest me because this is something I'm going to be doing a lot more, probably more than I'd like, I should probably take the time to learn and practice. Come join the class. It's going to be super fun. We're going to be talking all about content and setting up your space, and I'll be able to give you feedback on how you're showing up in the class and whether or not everything is positioned correctly to give the best experience. And we're going to be talking about delivery and body language and technology and tools and engagement. It's going to be an extravaganza. I should probably have called this the online presenting made easy extravaganza. So there you have it. The class starts next Monday. It's four Mondays in a row, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern time. And registration is open right now. As I mentioned at the beginning, if you can't make it to a class or any of the classes, but you really want to learn, you can register and I'll be sending the recording out the next day and you can watch it anytime you want. So that does it for me, you guys. This was a lot. I hope you got something out of it. I love talking about this stuff. I'm excited to teach you everything you need to know without overstuffing your burrito as the course begins. If you enjoyed today's episode or any past episodes, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts so more people can find the show. This episode was recorded in the Glitter Closet in Holyoke, Massachusetts, and it is a production of Speaker Sisterhood. You can find out more about us at speakersisterhood.com. My music was produced by Chris Collins. You can find him at indiemusicbox.com. And I think that's it for this week. So much more to come. I'm I'm like doing back-to-back podcast interviews this week and next. I have so many cool guests coming up with so many interesting topics that things that I've been curious about and I know you have too. So keep listening for more. But in the meantime, stop waiting, start creating. Bye for now.